This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Hallelujah. Take your seats, wonderful family of God. If you would like to turn your Bibles, please, this morning to Luke chapter 11. That's the New Testament, for those not sure. And I'm reading from the NIV, Luke chapter 11. Instant, in season, out of season, always ready to do. It says in chapter 11, verse 1 of the book of Luke, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. You need to know today that he didn't, they didn't ask, teach us how to pray. There's one thing a Jew can do from a very young age is pray. They taught very early in age when they begin to speak, they taught to pray. And they taught how to pray, to recite certain prayers and declarations in Hebrew. It's what they do. What they do. So when Jesus was praying, he must have prayed so differently and so long that they wanted to able to participate. And then they compared him to John, as John taught his disciples. For those who don't know, John was cousin to Jesus and born a few months earlier. Also a miraculous birth in the sense his parents had no children and an angel spoke to his father in the temple that he'd have this child and struck him dumb until the time the child was born. John would be a forerunner to try and awaken Israel to the God kind of solution God had. They were waiting for a solution like David to deliver them from the oppression of the Romans. But God was bringing a savior for all eternity and they, to make them aware, give them a chance to be spiritual, John would preach revival. And John himself was, was known as a zealot. There were five groups in that time of spiritual people that were recognized as leaders. And zealots were the extremists. They were people that especially were spirit, hyper-spiritual. Of them were the Hessians, which were broke away from the temple in Jerusalem because of a difference there. They thought that the Pharisees in the temple in Jerusalem got too compromised, so they moved and formed a monastery called Qumran. Qumran is in the desert right there at the Dead Sea, 1,000 feet below sea level, and that's where John the Baptist spent a lot and most of his time. There are many records of John amongst the Qumran writings. The Qumranians wrote the Bible. There are 22 books that they have in the Bible, of which they wrote only one less, they didn't include Esther because Esther didn't acknowledge God enough for them. And so the caves, it's Dead Sea Scroll caves, were filled with many copies, of 50 copies, for example, of Genesis and, and such like. And so this is where John was amongst the zealots. And so he was given to a lot of fasting and praying with these spiritual Jewish monks. And so his disciples would watch him pray, and he formed definitely a new format of prayer that the Jews were not accustomed to. So when they said to Jesus, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples, and he responded to them, when you pray, say, and he gave them a formula, 
which didn't take more than maybe 30 seconds. Father, hallowed be your name. Please notice to Father, the Father in heaven, you have a Father now, let your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. A very short, concise pattern. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers in verse 7, Don't bother me, the door is locked already, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, Jesus said, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is a friend, relationship, he will get up because of his, uh, he, because of his man's boldness or persistence. He will get up and give him as much as he wants. So what Jesus, the Son of God, your Savior, your Lord, your Master is teaching you is that not because only of the relationship, but because of the consistency, persistence. When we pray, we need to put a little force into our prayer. We so quickly want to abandon our prayer life or our prayers because it didn't happen quick enough. We need to get a little attitude. Jesus says the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And that's why I pray that our family, CFC, have, may the force be with you. We need a little force to take these things with a little aggression. And Jesus is teaching us to get a little determination not to take no for an answer, to keep at it. So I say to you, in verse 9, ask, and it will be given to you. Often we want things from the Lord, but we're not really asking Him. And when we ask Him, we're not really expecting Him to give it. We just ask because it's a ritual. And you will find, knock, seek, and you will find. There's an attitude of really going after a thing, looking. You're looking for something, you'll find it. It won't just jump at you. Men have the most horrible way of looking for things, my wife tells me. When I always call her to come find a thing in my closet, she it seems to be right in front of me. She always says, if it was a snake, it would have bitten you. Because men don't look right. They just don't, men, they don't always look correctly. Women always very detailed is what I'm told. I'm told, I don't know. My wife is the authority on this one. My wife is my personal driving instructor for 41 years now. She, apparently, I don't know when to brake or to accelerate or to put my indicator on or to where to park or when to turn, apparently. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you recognize that, do you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> for everyone, it says there in verse 10, for everyone, not just Christians, not just CFC, not just white, black, fat, thin, old, young, everyone who asks, everyone who asks receives. That's what it says there. I didn't, I didn't say that. Jesus, the Son of God, said that. He who seeks finds, and he who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? That's ridiculous. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, my disciples, though you are evil, we're evil, yeah, in comparison to your Father in heaven, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father in heaven will give you even the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So he starts out because he asked, to ask teachers to pray, and he ends up with asking for the Holy Spirit. To be effective in prayer life, you need the Holy Spirit. Now, that's why where John and Jesus were so different to everyone else on the planet. 
because the scripture said that he will receive the Holy Spirit, he'll come upon John, and he will receive the Holy Spirit, and he will restore the hearts of the fathers, the son and the sons, the fathers. So John had the Spirit from birth, as did Jesus. Most unusual. And so we have the Holy Spirit and receive the Holy Spirit, and we need the Holy Spirit to pray effectively. Jesus said, do nothing until the Holy Ghost has come. To his disciples, wait in Jerusalem, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come. He gave a pattern, and he gave us an attitude, and he gave us some pointers that we understand in prayer what's to be expected of, but really the essential need is to pray in the Holy Spirit. The devil will do all he can to distract you from your prayer life. And honestly, historically, the last 2,000 years, every recorded revival has one common denominator, sacrificial prayer, which means praying where there was a lot of sacrifice involved, where people not only fasted, perhaps, but also prayed continually through the night, getting up middle of the night to pray, putting an alarm on, a prayer that really cost them something. Our culture and our lifestyle now has become so rapid we never had cars 110 years ago we only had horses everything moved slower and there was no cell phones and so our lives were a little slower now it's escalated so rapidly that we have such a constant pressure we run by our lives by the clock and husband and wives work and life is just very fast so when we pray, we pray fast and not fast and pray. And we're in a hurry in all our prayer life, and so we cannot be effective. But God is looking for someone that will learn how and will want to pray. Job prayed in Job 9, if there was only one that could put his hand on God and the other hand on me. In his dire straits of need, he wasn't looking for someone just to show him love or minister to him. He was looking for someone that could touch God on his behalf. When the woman that was healed of the issue of blood, she touched the hem of his garment. When she touched the hem of his garment, she got healed. She didn't even touch him. Jesus said, who touched me? Nobody touched you, actually. She touched your garment. And your garment was touching you. Now, there are people every day you meet that if they can touch you or be touched by you and you touching God, they will be affected. And I'm looking for people that can touch God so when they go into the marketplace, into the work arena, that people will be affected by their lies because they're touching the Lord. And when they come with an expectancy, you've got something to offer them because you've been touching God. The devil will keep you away from your prayer life. He'll keep you busy through every conceivable activity, whether work, children, whether whatever it is from travel or distraction, whether it's be entertainment, whatever he's got you going, even gym, whatever he can do to keep you so busy that you don't have time to pray. And then when you want to pray, the phone will ring, and you'll remember this, and someone will need you. Everything happens at the same time you begin to pray, because the devil will let you do everything except pray. He'll fight you when you pray, because he knows how powerfully threatening you are when you become a prayer, person of prayer. Prayer changes everything. We have in this house, at the head of CFC, a man who's given to serious prayer. When Pastor Theo talks about the weather, people get saved. It's the most amazing thing. You can feel the presence of God constantly around him. He prays three hours a day, never, ever stops. If 
it rains. If he's, if he's occupied, he will put a stopwatch and he'll click it and come back to it. He will pray. He's three hours on vacation traveling. He will never neglect the prayer. And he prays for you and me. He's a prayer warrior. And so the head of the church prays. We ought to take up that spirit of prayer and take up that vision and heart to pray because our country needs our prayers. Our neighbors need our prayers. Our children need our prayers. Our Friends need our prayers, and we ought to pray. If there's only one, as Job said, could touch God, and with the other hand, touch me. I know you have challenges today sitting here, and you're hoping perhaps even to get a prophetic word that God will address those things. But as God is my witness, you will always have many challenges and problems because Jesus said so. In this world, you will have many troubles, he said. But do not fear, do not be concerned, because I overcame the world. So you'll go from one trouble to another. There'll always be something that you're trying to overcome. So I want you not to spend your energy as my family or all your strength in trying to overcome troubles, but rather focusing on him. He will take care of those many of those things, as he always does, and not get your energy drained, just always overcoming things. Get your energy focused on what God wants you to pray, and become a, a tool in God's hand to pray down God. God's purpose and, and, his, and, your, and His pleasures in your life. Now, many of you are needing God to do things, but you haven't really separated yourself to perhaps to pray in such an earnest way. He says, when you, who, who has a friend? You go to him at night, and as a friend, and you ask, him, he won't come down because even though you're great friends, he will, even though you're friends, he, that, it's not enough for him to come down. But if you keep nagging him, he'll come just because you nagged. So where is there a person in our midst that'll nag or pressurize or pester or cry to God continually until we get a prayer. God will listen. God will hear if he sees the earnestness of the heart. When there's a constant calling, a constant calling, he will respond. May God give us grace in this house that we are a people of prayer. We need in this nation not another big church with another program with another bunch of teaching. We have plenty. We need someone, some church somewhere that will be a praying church that things will be changed and transformed. We need someone that can touch heaven for South Africa, someone that can touch heaven for Johannesburg and for this area and this Kenton Park, someone that can touch heaven for people that are desperately needing miracles and healing. We need someone that will pray, not looking for a reward in their own lives, but to bless the Lord and to do God's will in their lives. As you sow that prayer into other people and God's purposes, He'll raise up others to pray for yours. But prayer is definitely a work engine that changes everything. It is commonly recognized for years and years of the power of prayer that changes everything. If you examine your own life and be honest with yourself today and say, when last have I prayed? How long have I prayed? How seriously have I sought God in prayer until I got an answer? When last has that happened? Or are you just walking by faith? Now, faith is fantastic. You must walk in faith. It's true. But the prayer, our Savior set in pace and an example that His disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Because you're doing something very different. Three things I noticed in the life of Jesus in the Gospels that he was very much into. Three things, very clear. He taught, not preached, not healed as much as he taught daily, daily, taught, taught, taught. And then the second thing he did a whole lot was pray. You'd think the Son of God, the one person that was in direct harmony with the Father, would not need to pray as much. He prayed long nights through. Then in the morning when the disciples woke up looking for him, he was gone again praying. He was always praying. Every time he was praying, he said, I do nothing except the Father show it to me. I, I, when you see me, you see the Father. I reflect the Father's will in everything I do. When something occurred that seemed to be outside of 
with parameters of understanding, like the 5,000 want to make him king, immediately stopped the boat. He said, okay, you guys go. And he sent the 5,000 away, sent his disciples out, and he went to go pray by himself. The whole night through came walking on the water. He had to go and check with the Father exactly what was God's purposes for his life. He was always into prayer. May God give us grace and CFC to get that spirit of prayer going a whole lot faster, more, more fervently and powerfully. Is there anybody here that wants to be a prayer warrior? Just raise your hand quickly. Let me see your heart. Okay. That's how I was talking to a very quiet lot of people wondering if they're still there. <coughs> And we're looking for prayer warriors. It takes commitment. It takes a bit of time. And I promise you, if you decide I'm going to start praying, well, say in the morning, whatever it is, you watch how that the enemy will do all he can to distract you, to try and stop you. All the things you never thought would happen suddenly start to happen because the devil is so scared of you becoming a prayer warrior. Once you start tasting of entering into that supernatural realm constantly in prayer, you won't be satisfied with anything less than that. It changes everything. Do you understand what I'm telling? Prayer is the power, is God's release of power. It sets his angels in motion when we pray and we call upon him. He's waiting for us to pray. We are his agents of prayer. We must call and he'll answer. God wants us to participate in these things. Can you say amen? You certainly can. Not very loud, but you can say it. I can see that. All right. There you go. I love it. I absolutely love it. So... I'm going to minister prophetically now, and I hope that you come back tonight. I will be teaching on putting your prayer, your faith in motion. There's a, you cannot have workless or motionless faith. It's dormant and dead, and how you do that and how it actually works. So come along tonight, and I'll teach you a little about that, and we'll have some supernatural things tonight, too, and a lot more prophesying. I have with me, too, one of my nine grandchildren, uh, my favorite. I'm not allowed to have favorites, but it's... It is what it is, and a 15-year-old going on 40, Abigail, please stand up quickly, Abigail, and just turn around and smile, the people smile, act like you're happy to be here. She's uh, precious to my little heart, homeschooled little girl, and not so little girl, she's a little lady, and we all live in San Antonio, where Pastor Theo lives, all people end up going to San Antonio, because that's where God is. Did you know that, Pastor Greg? Okay, just thought you must just check with you. All right, let me see. I have a few people I'd like to minister to. There is a man with a white shirt, and he's sitting next to the lady with a very bright-colored dress, it seems to me. It's his wife with all these colors, yellow, red, and she's looking around, and she's got a lovely haircut. Yeah, stand up, sir. Would you stand up quickly, please? Is that your wife next to you? Is your what? Is your wife? Did, did you know that? Could, would you stand up, please, wife? Please stand up. Thank you so much. So I can get your name and your, and your bank account and... Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. What's your name? My name is Tawa, Tawan Tsunke. Really? Yeah. And what's your, what's your wife's name? Uh, Mabiki, Mamusese. Can, you, can she say it? Mamusese CGI. Wow. Where are you from? I'm from Free State, but I'm working here in, uh, in Kempton Park. All right. Well, are you part of this church? Yes, I've been uh, since uh, last year. Okay, join CS. What do you What do you do? I'm doing auditing. 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 Yeah. Because there's a great lot of success waiting for you. The word of the Lord is that promotion and open doors are set before you. You have a wonderful heart. God says you have a heart of a champion. You make You make mistakes. You do things. You're impulsive. You get nervous. You sometimes overthink things and you panic. You panic very easily. Yeah. <laughs> but your heart is champion. Uh, when Jesus saw Nathaniel, he said, Behold, a man without any guile, out in evil. And that's who you are. Since you were a boy, you've never been evil. You've never done evil things like your friends. You've always lived right. You've always had a clear conscience. You're a good man. And God is so pleased with you. He wants to bless you. 
Now, you won't stay in auditing. God's got other plans for you because you have a lot of business sense. He wants to open doors, but he wants to teach you, right? You come to this house, this church, because here you're going to learn faith. You're going to learn not to react. You're going to learn, no matter what it looks like, you're going to go by what God says. You're going to hear the Lord because you do hear the Lord, but then you start to doubt it after a while. You get inspired by the Lord when God just loves you so much. How many children do you have? It's only one. Because you are a wonderful parents. I don't know if you are expecting a child right now or soon, but there's a whole bunch of kids coming in your life. You're going to have a wonderful house full of children because you are very, very good parents. And you have, you have a sportsman. You have a very strong academic. You have a musical child. All of those children are going to be just a house full of kids. In your family, sir, there are someone that really touched heaven and knows how to pray. You have been covered your whole life in prayer. And because of that, your children will be anointed of God. And there's so much of God's presence in you on the right place, the right church. As for you, man, you are a tower. Your, your spiritual names means tower. Revelation says we'll have new names in heaven. Your name means tower because you are a tower of strength. You're stable. You're not moved by every little thing. He gets panicky, but you never panic. You always, you always stand no matter what they say. They told you when you were a child you couldn't do it, then you did it. They told you you won't go there, and you went there. Whatever they told you you couldn't do, you did because you had faith and confidence in the Lord. You have a sturdy faith, and your children will be just like that. One of your children is going to be a political leader in this nation because of your sturdiness, because of your input into their lives. And that's enough for you to chew on for a day or two. Thank you so much. Take your seats. Wonderful. Praise God. Have lots of children. Woohoo! In fact, uh, uh, yeah, which means roughly translated, Lord, show me who else I must minister to. What's your name with the orange shirt and all the tattoos? Tell me your name, sir. Orange shirt, tattoos. Pardon? Stand up. And this is your lovely daughter next to you? Rainu? Rainu? And this is your, da your daughter next to you? No, it's my wife. Wow, so young. <laughs> St stand up, young wife. I was joking, I knew it. I was just kidding. So what's your name, young lady? Anna Marie. Anna Marie. And you are married legally how long? Three years. Almost, Three. Well, next month is four years. Okay, and how many children do you have? Nine. Well, it only takes nine months where I come from. <laughs> The Bible says faith without works is dead. <laughs> Are you in this church? Uh, it's our first day today. Oh, probably your last after that. You're very welcome here. You're very welcome. You're a good guy. You've been misjudged a few times in your life. People misjudge you. You've got a heart of gold. They, they misjudge you because of, you, of what they think. What, because you're not... You don't conform to people's normal opinions. Since you grew up, your whole life, you've always been different. But God loves you, and you've also worn this self-destruct mode for a long time, that your angel worked hard to keep you alive because you were just crazy for a while. And then you turned around and you then came back to the sweets. You were always a sweet kid. You were always a sweet boy. But you went through a trauma as a child, and there were things in your family that went just crazy, and, and you came, you've, you've come back to the sweet kid you were. And God is so proud and so pleased with you. Do you understand? God really is. You are not doing the business or the work that you're supposed to do. God's going to open up doors that no man can shut. You're not leaving this country, leaving this town. You're not going anywhere. You're going to prosper right where you are, because God will do it. You will learn the God's word in this house. If you come to this 
family, which you're supposed to, you will grow and become strong in the Lord. It's where you belong, you, because your thinking is hungry for new thinking, for new change, to put faith behind it. You like reality. You can't stand fakey stuff, and you, but you've got a gentle, kind heart. You, they think you're tough, but you're not. You're gentle and kind. You're very patient. You've got an uncanny gift of patience. Since a boy, you've always been patient. When you work with them with your hands, too, you're very careful and patient. And she loves you very much. She really does. I'm not sure what... What, what, I don't know what's wrong with the girl. She's really crazy about you. But uh, you are a sweetheart, Anne-Marie, and uh, you have a lot of talent, a lot of gifting, and you also went through a lot of sorrow as a child. A lot of you cried a lot, a lot of sorrow, but the Lord promises you joy is waiting for you now. Lots of blessings and overcoming. You will have amazing children. Every one of them will be a blessing to you. You will have easy childbirth, and God's going to heal your whole family without your help. You'll take care of it. You can't fix them. You've tried. It didn't work. But God will fix them. So I'm welcoming you. I really feel you've come home. You found your home here. You're an amazing woman, Anne-Marie. You're amazing. He's really, he married up. There's no question because you have such a, such a heart, an amazing woman. You've come through so many things and you survived so many hardships. And the two of you will be a, a powerful. And you, he's, gonna, he's going to, I don't know if he's going to build your home or buy your home, but he's going to work on this home because he's a perfectionist. I don't know if you know he can do anything with his hands. He's really got vision, this, this, this young man. And he's going to make you a beautiful home as God's promised to you and your children. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Sign them up. Sign them up. What's your name with the green scarf lady over here in the fourth row? Yes, please stand quickly. Tell me your name. Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Are you in this church? Yes. And what do you do, Nicole? I'm a business manager at an insurance firm. At an insurance broker? Yeah. Okay, like life insurance? Yes. I've never understood life insurance. You know, I'm, I'm Jewish, and I, people knock on my door tell me how rich... The whole family's going to be when I'm dead, and I must pay for it. Yes. I, I, I don't, I, why don't they pay for it? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, strange. So, are you married? Would you like to be? Yes. Just point and click. <laughs> Am I embarrassing you? A little. A little. You're a wonderful lady. You are a catch. Your biggest challenge is you're super intelligent and you always know the right answer. You must act a little dumb sometimes. <laughs> it's okay if the boyfriend goes down the wrong road. Don't, don't say, I told you. Don't ever say that because you intimidate them. You're very intimidating with your skills and you've, begun to, you've already learned to have a defensive mode already in relationships because you've always been on defensive because you always get attacked because you're so smart and so good at what you do and you're so unselfish. It's never about you. It's always about everybody else. Since you are a little girl, you served everybody. In your family, you served your whole life. And God wants to reward you. He wants you to have someone that will appreciate you and be someone to come home to that's peaceful. He's not giving someone that will compete with you, but someone that will understand you and be fun to be with. Because you need to take it down a notch because you're a, you're a high-fired-up high girl. You just move at a high-energy lady. And you need someone that's not like that. You need someone that's peaceful and quiet. And you were a little suspicious because someone you really love burned you. And I'm so sorry about that. It's never going to happen again. Never. Do you understand? All right. God has got you covered. He loves you too much. He's got you. He loves you. There's been a judgment spoken over you in your own family. I curse those words. They fall to the ground. You will succeed and you will be loved and you will have a wonderful marriage. It's all part of God's plan and, he'll, and I speak it into being. God bless you. Hallelujah. Little fellow with a red, red shirt. Yeah, stand up quickly. Yeah, thank you, dude. Is this your family next to you? Yes, sir. Who's the, who's the lady next to you? Uh, it's my auntie. Yeah, my yeah. aunt. 
Stand up, aunt. And then who's next to you? Who's next to aunt? My mom. Stand up, my mom. All right. Thank you. So what is your name, sir? David. David, and how old are you? I'm 18. And what are you going to do with your life? Well, I'm in college right now, studying business management. Okay. You're very smart. You don't always finish everything you start, but it's good if you could learn to do that. Homework is a wonderful thing for you. It's a, it's a blessing, not a curse. Do you understand? You, 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 want, you move so fast, you want everything to happen all in one day, and you want it to happen. You are smart. Your brain is powerful, but you're not using it correctly. God wants to teach you to, what you put your hands to the plow, finish the field. Finish what you start, and God will bless it. You're very impulsive, and everybody's friend. You're just a personality. Everybody's social, social personality. You've got a wonderful heart. You, I'm glad you've decided to serve God because you had a, a little bit of a hiccup, and God has transformed you. You're going in the right direction. You will have your reward. It's God's promise to you. But sport is a gift in your life, too, and that sport wants to open up a door for you in the right way, right time. Just don't get in a hurry. Let go. Let God pace you. He does move suddenly, but never fast. So God's teaching you to go by his pace. You will study, you will go to some sort of specialized college is what I'm seeing. It's what God has, it's, just, it's not a university, it's a specialized college for, for just select a few people that can study some specific thing. So God's got it covered for you. Let me talk to your aunt, please. What's your name, aunt? I'm Tutuzile. Tutuzile. Wow. <laughs> what do you do, ma'am? I'm working as a domestic worker. You've overcome many storms in your life, many, many difficulties and many uh, unusual things, and it's made you stronger. What the enemy thought he could break you with became your strength. And you were betrayed not once but twice in your life, and the Lord says that I've made you strong, and you've, you've filtered your strength over to other people. No one has to wonder what you think, but you'll tell them. You're not afraid to spit it out and and make clear, because you're a fighter. You'll fight now for your, for your rights, and, and sometimes it gets us in trouble. But... God loves the truthfulness in you, and he's going to restore to you what's rightfully yours. There are many things that God's restoring to you, and he's going to fix things in your family, but also financially. He's got some things even now that's, that's really functioning now. There's a thing in the pipeline working for you on your behalf. You're, you're going to get what's rightfully yours. Let me talk to your mom, please, the mother. What's your name, mother? Angie, sir. And how many children do you have? I have three boys. Three boys. No girls? No. You, are you trying for a girl still? No, I don't want any children anymore. <laughs> That's, that's what Sarah said too. Okay. <laughs> just saying. I'm, not, I'm just saying. Just saying. <laughs> what, what is your name? My name is Angie. Angie. Okay, it's easy. To, I can say Angie. Your sister's name I cannot say so well easily. So, are you married? Yes, I'm married, but what? me and my husband, we separate. What's his name? Brian. Brian. Okay, Brian is hounding your husband. He's after him because he knows the way, he knows the truth, but God wants to bring him back to where he belongs. He's made some bad judgments and mistakes, but you also have hardened your heart. People don't break your heart, people harden your heart. And so God is teaching you to let God soften your heart and heal you in every way. You have a very smart lady, but you've withdrawn and you've lost some of your laughter. You used to sing and laugh and, and God wants both of them back. You know how to sing. God has anointed you and he wants to use that for his glory. You have a voice to glorify his name, his, his name with, and he wants to use it all for his glory. But this is not over with this Brian. God is doing a major miracle in him still, and you've had it, you've forgiven so many times. 
<clears throat> you know, God's going to heal your heart. You're going to have a visitation of the Lord. You are an amazing woman. There's no question about the things you've been through. If you told your story, people have a hard time believing all you've been through. But you've done great things. And you've got great boys. All three of them are very different. Not one is like the other. And this is a good boy. He's got a good heart. And he will do really well. God's going to just give him success. He's got to stay with the program. That's all. So God bless you guys for being here today. Yeah, we really enjoy you being here. Thank you so Thank much. You, Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.